Hello and welcome to another episode of CISO Tradecraft, the podcast that provides you with the information, knowledge, and wisdom to be a more effective cybersecurity leader. I'm your host, G. Mark Hardy, and today we're going to be talking about how CISOs spend their time. If you're listening to us on LinkedIn, please go ahead and subscribe on YouTube. If you're listening to us on a podcast channel, give us five stars or thumbs up. Why? We're not grade grubbing. We're just trying to reach more people. And it helps us get our numbers up if other people can find us sooner. So help your community and let everybody else know where you're getting your good ideas. Okay, so we're talking about how CISOs spend their time. And a lot of times there's some misconceptions about things in life. Many of them come from watching movies or television. If you remember the old Indiana Jones and you say, I want to become a professor of archaeology. And you kind of might be in for an unpleasant surprise when you find out that fieldwork looks nothing like the movies. Now, note that a lot of these misconceptions of roles could be applied to other jobs, such as spies, investing, running a restaurant, and even the role of a CISO. So today we're going to discuss 10 ways that CISO should be spending their time. Now, before we do that, let's go ahead and do a definition of the role of a CISO. Now, we can go for different places. There's some that are defined in job descriptions. You could go to chat GPT and say, hey, give me a description. But in general, I think we're going to find out that let's break down the title of chief information security officer. The C means they're a chief first and someone who holds a high ranking position or title in an organization. The chiefs are referred to often as the C-suite, the CEO, chief executive officer, chief financial officer, chief operations officer, chief information officer. These are examples of C-level titles that have been around for a while. It's considered a high-ranking role in any organization and a position of special trust. In addition, we find out that CISO is focused on information security. It's that expertise that we provide, and these company titles are designed to define subject matter expertise. So chief financial officer is going to leverage financial background to provide advice and guidance in the finance world. The CISO domain is information security or cybersecurity, as we like to call it. So in general, don't try to provide legal advice on cybersecurity laws. That's the chief legal officer's role. Stay in your lane, because if you do, then you'll be valued for your expertise. The other thing also is that you're going to avoid political conflicts if some people say, hey, you're not the legal officer. Why are you telling us about that? In fact, I was talking to somebody this morning who had that exact same issue at work, that they were trying to coach their comments with regard to security in a way that they weren't stepping on the legal department's feet. Now, you can also coordinate in advance and make sure that you're communicating effectively. But in general, what you want to do is think about what your role is. If you're an expert in cybersecurity, you should be focusing on protecting business revenue. And we achieve revenue protection by ensuring that the leaders of a business understand, manage, and mitigate risk. And you can look at the risk of sensitive data becoming breached. That's our confidentiality, important operating information being altered. That's integrity. Or just being unable to access things that are required to run the business. And that would be availability. And finally, CISO, the O is an officer of the company. As with any other officer in the company, they need to ensure good stewardship of corporate resources. Another way of saying this is officers have to ensure that the operations become cheaper, faster, and better each year so it can continue to have profitable growth. And profitable growth occurs either by increasing your sales, reducing your costs and overhead of expenses and liability, 
and increasing efficiencies and effectiveness of your spending and operations. So in general, when we talk about a CISO, that should be a pretty good description of what the job entails, and also importantly, what the job does not entail. So again, be careful about trying to do other people's roles and missions, because no matter how smart you are, no matter how well-read you are, you're going to potentially run into some political issues if you stray into somebody else's lane. All right, with that as a preamble, let's take a look at 10 ways that CISOs spend their time. The first thing that CISOs will spend their time on is developing and implementing a cybersecurity strategy. Now, this means they understand the organization's overall business goals. Now, if you're even with, you're with a government agency or a nonprofit, there are still goals related to your charter, to your mission statement. So I'm going to use the term business going forward, but I'm really reaching out to anybody that's in a cybersecurity leadership role. Let's say the company wants to sell $10 million worth of products through online sales channels. As a cybersecurity expert, what you want to do is focus on protecting these websites through a type of strategy. Now, if not, the strategy isn't aligned to enable the goals of the organization, then it's a misfit. And that doesn't mean that we can ignore other threats like phishing or only focus on that. What we need is a robust and resilient plan that's going to go ahead and stop attacks that are likely to hit our organization and enforce our C, I, and A, the confidentiality, integrity, and availability that we talked about a little bit earlier. Now, if you're asking about how do I build a cyber strategy in the first 90 days, guess what? There's a CISO Tradecraft episode for that. Episode number 21, way back when we brought on Mark Egan, and he was the former CIO of Symantec and VMware, and he discussed in detail how to build a cyber strategy. The executive summary of that episode is that if you start with an assessment of what everything looks like right now, and then you perform business requirements analysis to understand where you want to be in, let's say, 18 to 24 months. Now, once you have that analysis complete, where I am, where you want to go, you create a vision of what the future architecture should look like to accomplish your strategic, your tactical, and your business objectives. And when the architecture is complete, you perform a gap analysis. It'll identify what is not in place today that needs to be present by then to achieve the desired architecture. Finally, you're going to create options to address those gaps. And you might have a low-cost option, a medium-priced option, and a high-priced option that shows the different capabilities which could be built for each price point. And your strategy can show how things can be implemented with a clear roadmap. Do this, do this, do this. The advantage of being able to provide alternatives is that although initially you may say, I think I only have this much budget, you might be able to explain what the risk is involved by saying, if we use the lower cost solution, we may not get all the things that we need. And if the decision maker financially can say, yeah, I'll accept that risk in exchange for a cheaper investment, then fine. And you've essentially been able to participate in a risk-based decision. The second thing that CISOs will spend their time on is overseeing the organization's cybersecurity key programs and initiatives. And this means you get to spend time with project managers, talking about the scope, resource levels, and timing of various projects and programs. You might set up something called High Profile Projects Committee, where once a month you get status updates on the most important projects. Now, remember that having your finger on the pulse of key projects allows you to best answer questions from above, as well as ensures that all of your yearly goals and objectives are being met. For example, you might be rolling out a new MFA or a zero trust solution. That might be going well, or you need some help from certain groups to adopt this technology. 
By creating an oversight meeting, you could hear what the implementing teams need, help on, and be the one who gives them the sponsorship they need to get approval or maybe obtain a decision from management. The third way that CISOs spend their time is ensuring that organizations' cybersecurity policies and procedures are up to date and in compliance with relevant regulations and standards. Now, typically, you have to review every cybersecurity policy, guideline, and procedure and standard document on a regular basis, and many times organizations say yearly. What I like to do is I will review them at the first year after they've been written, and if they're stable and they work well, I may extend that to two or three years. Now, when I fill out forms for third-party risk management, they say you review them every year. Okay, fine. I can look at them every year. But if you find out that things aren't changing very frequently on a particular policy, you might find out that a two or even a three-year review cycle works. So whatever compliance cycle you have to operate in is going to be what you're going to want to implement. Now, if Microsoft comes out with a new operating system version, then you get to spend some time writing a configuration guide that the developers can follow and you can roll out these machines. So it's common practice to copy CIS benchmarks or the DISA STIGs if you're on that side of the business on this type of an effort. And just remember, whatever you write in a policy needs to be reviewed and approved by legal. And since policies will be what you send to third-party companies and your regulators, they're held as binding documents. And we talked about that in more detail on episode 121 with Evan Wolf when we noted that we should use broad language in our policies, such as, we shall make a reasonable best effort to patch within 60 days. Instead of language, it says, all vulnerabilities must be patched in 60 days. You want to give yourself a little bit of wiggle room because if you're talking about reasonable best effort, certainly that's not designed to be a way to get out of responsibilities. But that little bit of weasel word in there does help were someone to go ahead in a legal situation and get you up on a stand in a trial. And although someone could say, did you patch every possible vulnerability? Well, no. But did you make a reasonable best effort? Yes. It's hard to argue with that. And so from a legal perspective, that has changed my approach on how I like to go ahead and write policies from being the captain, I'm in charge and do this, to writing language that is certainly directive, but is not so constraining that you could create yourself a legal liability because of your inability to get exact, complete compliance. Now, the fourth item that CISOs spend their time on is collaborating with other departments and teams within the organization to identify and address potential cybersecurity risks. Welcome to spending time with the risk committee. You get to meet and discuss things like, well, when we let somebody go, how do we ensure their IT accesses are properly removed in time? Now, if you're looking at something like that, don't forget all the applications that your third-party risk assessments found that don't federate with a company's single sign-on. So simply going ahead and removing that doesn't necessarily take them out of all the accesses. Now, you might also want to discuss if the company is going to do layoffs, what additional monitoring should be required. What are we doing about the risks from insider threats? An employee can go from gruntled to disgruntled pretty quickly and around layoffs, and you want to have some defense with respect to that. How much money should be allocated for cyber insurance spending? And what are the risks of a new data sovereignty law being passed? And what if a company needs to shift their IT strategy to stay compliant with some of these government requirements that come out? Consider the time spent with the risk committee as an excellent opportunity to teach others about business continuity, disaster recovery, and even a business impact analysis. Additionally, you can build an alliance of supporters who help you get initiatives approved and support cyber funding requests. 
The fifth item a CISO spends time on is working closely within the organization's leadership team to develop and implement a cybersecurity budget. You must ensure that the organization's cybersecurity resources are used efficiently and effectively. That's right, it's time to brush up on all those accounting classes you took back in your MBA program. You get to meet each month to discuss whether the monthly spend is going according to plan. Now, this might be easy, but your forecasts are often wrong when procurement spends an extra three months negotiating your master service level agreement. So the limitation of liability may be more in favor of your company. And it's frustrating when you've got the funds, but you can't get a contract approved to spend them. Now, the opportunity is here to always keep a few spare projects around that you can get greenlighted when new money is found. Ideally, something that doesn't take a lot of approval cycle or something that you might not have had the money for in the past, but you went through and had the legal contract reviewed anyway. So it's locked and loaded if funds become available. For example, if you can't spend a million dollars because of delays, there's an opportunity that you can walk in even to other cost centers and say, we can help you spend that unspendable money. Anybody who's ever worked in the federal government knows that monies that is unspent at the end of the fiscal year is not only forfeited, they usually take that off the top of next year's budget as obviously you don't need the money. We propose you come in there and you say, hey, let's spend some money to acquire product X. And that'll greatly lower the maintenance activities that we perform every month. And if we spend this money now, we can recruit the time with our development teams to build even more features with the time saved using product X. That's going to go ahead and shorten our time to market, allow us to get new products out there, improve our profitability, generate revenue coming in. And now you've got a way that is a, helps achieve spending plans and even get more cyber activities into the plan budget. So as strange as it seems, there are times when you can actually become a hero by helping somebody else spend their money before it vaporizes and goes away because you're able to show a consistent utilization of the funds that they had requested. The sixth item a CISO spends time on is maintaining a high level of awareness about emerging cybersecurity threats, vulnerabilities and technologies, and sharing this knowledge within the organization leadership team and other relevant stakeholders. This means you get to travel to conferences and meet with vendors as well as business units. For example, let's say the business wants to build a mobile application, and it's a cue for you to get smart on how other organizations have secured mobile applications and what you need to do. Now, if you need more insights on that subject, listen to our CISO Tradecraft episode number 97 with Brian Reed, who talks about mobile application security. Remember that emerging technology is constantly changing. For example, many CISOs today are thinking about how to secure generative artificial intelligence queries. Some problems are easily solved and some require lots of meetings with architects and vendors to sketch out solutions that could work for your company. Don't be in a rush to make any decisions that have long-term impacts for your organization. Now, that being said, don't be too slow either, such as security is skipped and the emerging tech creates material risks to your organization. The seventh item a CISO will spend time on is building and maintaining relationships with external partners and networking groups, such as cybersecurity service providers, law enforcement agencies, and other organizations. You didn't think you only had to spend time within your company, did you? I mean, you should meet with your FBI representative, establish a good relationship. And that way, if the unfortunate data breach does occur and you have to notify law enforcement, then you already have a person you know in the Bureau who might be able to help. Now, consider joining InfraGuard and other threat intelligence sharing groups like FSISAC for the financial services. There's ISACs for lots of different 
business segments. And this will allow you to see what others are doing and build up contacts as well as a good reputation within the community. They're always looking for speakers and presenters, for example, at InfraGuard meetings. I do a lot of public presenting. Some of it I do for pay because, well, that's kind of how I pay my mortgage and feed my family. But I'll do things like InfraGuard as a pro bono because I believe in the mission and I want to help out the law enforcement community. It's not a bad reputation to have, by the way. And just because you establish these connections doesn't necessarily mean you get to make the final call about bringing in law enforcement because legal and corporate communications have those responsibilities. And ultimately, it's probably going to go up to a CEO level for a final decision. So make sure you also spend time with your legal teams and your corporate communications teams discussing incident response plans so that you have a clear identification of how things should occur and who notifies whom and at what time. Also, it's really helpful to have CISO colleagues in other companies with whom you can bounce around ideas. You might find that the industry is shifting to something that your company hasn't even started doing yet. And when you have issues, you can create a sounding board of folks give you good ideas to try. For example, let's say your new funding request is denied. You might ask your colleagues in other organizations, how do they get their funding requests approved? And you ask them to share their PowerPoint decks or their pitch decks. When you do this, you get smarter and you get to see new ways to ask for money or more compelling business logic. And the net result is you get smarter and you also gain trusted friends. If others ask for your information, say, hey, how did you do it? Consider if you obviously want to stay within your program, but make sure you sanitize your stuff. Don't give out sensitive information that is prior to your organization. You can speak in broad generalities. You can get the overall gist of what you did. And again, you might expect that same filtering to take place from a third party who shares you with something, but it's still a great idea. The eighth item that a CISO spends time on is providing education, guidance, and support to the organization's employees to help them understand and comply with the organization's cybersecurity policies and procedures. Remember, Bobby the intern doesn't know anything about secure software development unless you teach him. So you get to read the developers on all the security requirements. You also get to spend time teaching the rest of the organization to avoid clicking on phishing emails and procuring software the right way. He's submitting a new software request to the third-party risk management team instead of just going out and doing shadow IT and putting on your credit card and putting it down as a $74.99 cab fare. Now, this is just not a one-time activity. There will always be someone who doesn't understand what's expected of them because you've got turnover in organizations. You've always got new employees or somebody who comes in from a different department. And so as a result, expect to brief your phishing metrics and procurement recommendations more than once in the course of a year. Be on the lookout for free software as a service software, SAAS, right? You might find that Somebody's asking ChatGPT if it's illegal to do such and such. Well, if ChatGPT says yes, then there might be a log stored somewhere about your submission of potential illegal activities being performed, along with an IP address that could reveal it came from your company. And now if something does come up and those records are either subpoena or discovered or whatever, you got in some trouble. I mean... I am struggling right now with some AI tools that we're looking at. I've got one of my IT guys who said, hey, this is great. It's a transcription service. They brought it in for a meeting, let it run, and by golly, it got almost every single word right, even the things that were mumbled. But my concern is a CISO, of course, as you can imagine, is where is this data being processed? Well, it's up in the Amazon cloud. Oh, that's super safe. 
Where is it? Is it going to be in a FedRAMP type of a facility where we know that it's met certain risk requirements? Or the question you always have to ask yourself, if you're not paying for the product, you're the product. And as a result, be very, very concerned about something that has access to information, internal conversations, board meetings, discussions, et cetera, that are going to give you a free favor and transcribe that into a nice little output. Also a risk that uh, those words could end up someplace else as well. So you really need to do your due diligence. Now, how do we make security awareness fun and exciting for people? Well, bring some food, bring some pizza, make it a lunch and learn or something like that. Get a little bit of budget assigned for it. You can use gamification techniques to make it fun and exciting and make it competitive, make a cyber escape room, for example. You have to solve these puzzles to get out. And if it's fun, exciting, people will talk about it. They'll say the cyber stuff was great and they'll perform better because they'll remember it. That's why Sesame Street works. Why? Because when kids are entertained, they remember better. When adults are entertained, they remember better, right? So your security awareness can increase across your company if you do it right. If it's not fun and exciting, just a boring, you have to meet this compliance requirement and make sure you watch it or else you're on report, people are going to hate it. And your reputation is going to suffer because you're the person forcing misery upon your fellow workers. The ninth item a CISO spends time on is leading and managing a team of cybersecurity professionals. One might think that's probably one of your first charter responsibilities, but we're saving the best toward the last. You need to ensure the company has a good cyber hiring, training, and mentoring practices. You want the people that work for you ideally to be smarter than you so they can give you good ideas. Now, I know you're saying you're the smartest person in the room all the time and you'll never get there. Well, if you want smart hires coming in, you got to give them great training. Make them even smarter. Give them rewarding career opportunities to advance or do something different so they don't get bored and feel like they have to go someplace else. There's a lot that you can do. Progressive responsibility is huge. One of the things I have found out with new managers is then they're afraid to screw up. They're not going to delegate because they think that someone's looking at them carefully. And if you screw up, you're never going to get promoted. You're not going to get your raise. You may not even keep your job. Well, there's a problem with that. It's a difference, if you will, between management and leadership. As a manager, you're responsible for outcomes achieving objectives and the like, and directing the activities of others. A leader basically has all those too, but you have the additional responsibility of developing your people. You probably won't see that in writing. But as an experienced leader, having had an opportunity over the years to serve in leadership roles, more so than management roles, I've really focused on the people. And if that is something that you do, then what happens is that your reputation is getting the best people recognized, promoted, and retained. And that's a huge benefit to your professional reputation as well as to your organization as well. So invest your time in your people, and you'll be able to go ahead and make sure that your organization's able to keep them. You might have to involve yourself in diversity and inclusion efforts within the company. Do so. We'll find out that there are different perspectives from people of different backgrounds and different histories that will see things from a perspective that we never thought of before, okay? And so as a result, you're helping HR meet their broader goals and objectives, and you're coming up with a better pool of decision makers and observers and things like that. When you do that, you'll find that you're building a world-class cyber organization.
The 10th and final item on my list is that CISO spent a lot of time on conducting regular risk assessments to measure the organization's cybersecurity posture. Every cyber organization worth its salt has to perform risk assessments, and these assessments identify the likelihood of an event happening and the impact it would cause to your organization. Common examples of risk assessment activities include penetration tests, gap analyses, business impact analysis, architectural risk reviews, threat models, third-party risk assessments, bug bounty programs, red team exercises, tabletops, and audit activities. And each of these risk assessment activities highlights gaps or findings in a company's ability to follow the IT policies and meet security controls. Each assessment takes time, and the remediation work usually takes even more time. If your organization wants to use an ISO 27001 certification as a risk assessment activity, recognize that ISO 27001 certification has 93 controls that an organization must perform. And of those 93 controls, you need to ensure that each application which is in scope in your organization has evidence or proof that they follow those controls. Now, let's say that 50 of the 93 controls need evidence from each software application. If your organization has 400 applications in scope, that means your team's responsible for validating the evidence of 20,000 application controls. Now, if you correctly validate each of the 20,000 application controls internally, you then get to validate them again with the external auditors who may disagree with your company's ability to satisfy a control. And as you can imagine, it can be a lot of time spent in risk assessments. In addition, one of the things that's emerging for anyone who's working with the Department of Defense is CMMC, the Cybersecurity Maturity Model Certification. I'm certified as a registered practitioner. I'm working with clients and helping them get moved toward the preparation of being able to pass an audit. Are they in compliance with NIST Special Pub 800-171 requirements, as well as the DFARS and things like that? Now, if that's alphabet soup to you because you don't work with the Department of Defense, don't worry about it. But if you do, recognize that the requirements are coming. By late 2023, we're going to start to see review requirement coming out, and they're not going to be very kind to organizations who self-attestations in the past were all made up. But you've got to move to the point where you've got to go ahead and prove it so that when the auditors come, they're not going to ding you for self-attesting to something that's not there. It's probably one of the best ways to A, fail an audit, but now in situations like the Department of Defense looking at CMMC, it's a way to lose a contract. And if that contract is the lifeblood of your organization, it's lost because of cybersecurity activities that were not done properly. You're going to have a lot of explaining to do to all the other executives who are now looking at potential layoffs and restructuring of the business if you didn't do your job right. So get on top of things and look at it. And if you need help, give us a call at CISO Tradecraft. You've got access to some really smart people. We do some consulting. I do some consulting on the outside and be very, very happy to help you out if you need something like that, okay? So you can contact us on LinkedIn, send us an email if you like, and we can discuss your requirements. All right, I'm not trying to make an ad, but I just wanted to point out that we're here to help. And we hope that this episode has helped you a little bit understand how CISOs really spend their time or should be spending their time. And I think the major summary here is that you spend a lot of time in meetings. Your work as a CISO is largely focused on influence, persuasion, and leadership activities. You're not so much in there doing Azure AD management anymore. You're not writing Perl scripts or that's, I guess that's old school, but yeah, I've been around a while, but doing things in Python or whatever. So make sure you have the ability to use your soft skills to create effective processes and projects that'll work 
within your enterprise. If you really want to brush up on those, also check our CISO Tradecraft GitHub page. We've got all of our episodes categorized by topic, so you can find things fairly quickly. Find the areas that are going to help you with your career and with your job and with your requirements in front of you and listen to them. Or if it's after 2023, watch them. And then you can go ahead and get smarter. Now, special thanks in this episode to Freddie Magnum for asking us to create an episode on how CISOs spend their time. And if you ever have a question that you would like to ask CISO Tradecraft, try reaching out to us. As I said, on LinkedIn, respond to one of our LinkedIn posts. You can send us an email. And we're happy to help you with your CISO Tradecraft. And lastly, as I said before, if you enjoy our show on our podcast, spend five seconds and give us five stars. Again, not so much grade grubbing, but also allowing us to get the word out, especially with our YouTube page. Go ahead and subscribe to that. We're trying to get our numbers up so that we can go ahead and reach a threshold where we get more control over that channel. Trust me, it's great if you can go ahead and you can put on YouTube and just listen if you have to, but it's also a chance to go ahead and, well, see my smiling face for a while. If you really like the show, write a little review, put something in there. If you're doing a great job, tell others. If we're doing a bad job, tell me and we'll fix it. Okay. So we love helping our listeners. And when you rate and review our content, we can reach more. So thank you again for listening. This is your host, G. Mark Hardy. And until next time, stay safe out there.